everybody and hello everyone. Welcome once again to the Thinking Drinkers podcast where we give you two delicious drinks to enjoy. And not only that, we give you a rather tenuous and absurd reason to do so. As ever, I'm joined by the wonderful, the amazing Thomas Sandham. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Are you okay? I'm all right. I can see in, in, in the background of your shot, you've got some rather saggy bunting. Bunting means fun things are happening, but the fact that it's sagging suggests that it yeah. might reflect your mood. How are you feeling um, today? No, I think it's just ancient bunting from, from a time when I was joyous to uh, now a moment where I'm less joyous. The weather's a bit grim. Having said that, I've had a wonderful week traveling the length and breadth of this country with you, with our show, enjoying the fantastic drinks this great nation has to offer. And this weekend we've been in Worcester, so thank you to everyone who made it along to Worcester, where we were drinking some rather fine Belgian beers, weren't we, Ben? We were. We were drinking some Belgian beers in a venue called Triple B, which is in the centre of Worcester, just a stone's throw from the wonderful theatre that we were in. It was actually a church, wasn't it? It was. It was yeah. a church. It was like a. It was a strange, a strange uh, venue that had been had been rescued. It's part of the Crown Estates where they've made a big shopping centre. And when they decided they were going to build this shopping centre, someone, some bright spark piped up and said, "You can't knock down this ancient church. We'll we'll save it." And uh, they said, "Well, you can do what you like with it. What do you want to do?" Well, they wanted to turn it into a theatre so they could take out all the pews and all the organ and all the stuff that made it a church. They decided to keep it. So a yeah. big shout out to that venue because if you live in Worcester, you really should go and check out some comedy or theatre. It's great. Music, I mean, I think they rescued yeah. it just so me and you could go and preach to the masses about drinking less and drinking better. Yeah, I think it's so fair to have... say they rescued it once and then we've rescued it again. Absolutely, like we've loved back into comedy. that little bad boy. But we had uh, there was a lovely Belgian bar around the corner, and Worcester was quite a nice place to go out in. Uh, I we had some uh, deconic beers, then amber mm-hmm. ales in in a, what is called a bollock. Hmm. The yeah. bollock is the name of the the glass, the vessel in which it is served. Yeah. Um, so that's very nice. We had some bitter balling. Talking of bollocks. Oh yeah, they would look a little. Which are, so, yeah. Which are, what's <laughs> the sort of bitter balling? That Dutch sort of Flemish snack. No one knows, and no one dares ask. Just a gooey, gooey substance inside. It? <laughs> it's a gooey substance that dribbles down your chin. If you, if, yeah, I would say you had bollocks in your mouth and then bollocks came out of your mouth on the stage as well, completing <laughs> the circle. Uh, yeah, amazing. so good drinking week. I, I've also been drinking uh, Plymouth martinis in the cl- in our club. In our club, you're in a club. And I've been drinking mezcal as well with the uh, Lost Explorer team. Uh, they make phenomenal mezcals, as anyone who is a member of our uh, subscription club will know, because we've had it in the subscription club and we enjoyed it mm. in a tasting at Hatcher Bar. But I was with them again, so I've had a very eclectic drinking week, and you've had you've been having some. Proper English ale as well, haven't you, Ben? Eilidge? Yeah, I Ailidge. went to the Fullersbury yesterday to see what, what what's going on there. Because um, obviously they're now, they well, they sold to Asahi. They approached Asahi and said, will you buy us? Our beer's not making enough money. So they have gone in and they've, um, yeah, they've got lots of lovely beer. They've got Pilsner Aquel in there as well and 
lots of nice beers, but I drank two pints of Pride because yeah. I was basically talking to the man who looks after it, so it would be rude not to. But they've got loads of lovely spe- other specials in there, uh, and it was very nice. It's nice to be back. It's a lovely brewery in Chiswick, nice safe part of London, <laughs> very green. What the river there? No crime. No, no crime. As we know, there is crime. We know there is crime. Yeah, we got maced in Chiswick. Yeah, we got maced there. Anyway, talking of pride, that that's almost a seamless link to a nice piece of uh, LGBTQ content that we put on the website recently. Yeah, man. Yes, we because we're a bit of a. Qatar-shaped quandary, aren't we? Because we love watching football. I love football. Football. You love watching football? Football, I love football. It's Carly home. Sweet Caroline. All that nonsense. Um, I like. I do like watching football, not going to lie. But also, I think... Uh, well, we both think that Qatar is a fucking stupid place to hold a World Cup. Um, and their attitude to all the LGBTQ carry-on is quite frankly horrendous, Thomas. Mm. Um, so okay. how to reconcile these two things? Well, uh, read our article because we suggest five or six drinks that support the uh, LGBTQ community in various ways, whether it's raising money or it's um, fronted or owned or created by someone from that community. So mm. um, it's good. And one of them is a snowball because that is the campus, the most kitsch cocktail you can have. And it's very Christmassy, which mm. is... Um, it's very rare that a World Cup coincides with Christmas. So, I, um, I remember the best smoke snowballs I've ever had were in in, uh, in a gay bar in Brighton, in fact. And um, yeah, the, uh, the yeah the team there were tavern, I think. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it was a fantastic night out. Bit of Christmas drinking. Mm. Yeah, so garnish so very yeah. So um, that's how we're going to sort of do. It. I don't know whether that really justifies watching it. We should probably not do any of it, but at the same time. It's a tough one. I mean, I bought a Panini sticker album for the kids because I just, I know it was it's part of my childhood, but it's, it's very upsetting that the, their first real World Cup is not is not a real World Cup, really. I don't consider it a, it feels like a bit no. of a... Uh, but this is before the games kick off, so it might get, we might get World Cup fever when it starts. But who hmm. knows? Who knows? Um, anyway. So anyway, that's... we've had an eclectic drink, elbow-bending... Uh, a few days. Uh, so let's move on swiftly, without further ado, Thomas, to our first of our two drinks, which we are recommending people enjoy this week. Commencing on what we're saying, the 17th of November till 17th. 23rd, inclusive. Yes, uh, very. We are very inclusive, um, and the, the World Cup will, of <laughs> course, be uh, will be uh, on the agenda of many drinks parties this weekend. I'm sure. Drink less, drink better. Try not to just yeah. drink shit lager. So maybe you can try some of these drinks instead, just to give you a more eclectic offering in the drinks cabinet. And we're going to start on the 19th of November, which was a date in 1805 when the great Lewis and Clark expedition of America landed on the Pacific coast. For those who don't know who Lewis and Clark are, they're explorers, very important in American history. Uh, The Lewis and Clark expedition, also known as the Corps Corps of Discovery expedition, um, was a massive trip across the the whole of America, really. Uh, Mm. The the expedition lasted uh, 1,228 days, and it ran from May the 14th in 1803 
to September the 23rd in 1806, when Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, they mapped out huge swathes of America that had thus far been uncharted, traveling from Louisiana to the Pacific, and um, and took undertook this expedition with a, an army of men um, and some supplies, but rather extraordinary, 130 barrels of whiskey were in Definitely. total. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's essential. I mean, if, you're it, going, well, if you're walking across America, one thing you definitely need is 130 bar- barrels of whiskey. Barrels. They're quite heavy barrels of whiskey, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it should be st- stated from the off that while we do think it's essential, as did Lewis and Clark, uh, they did suffer from a lot of jeopardy, um, which might have been avoided had they included some other supplies. But um, things like like malaria, dysentery. (laughs) They had guns, actually. Uh, But they did get rheumatism and frostbite. And frostbite definitely, I think, would be uh, avoided if you had some gloves. (laughs) Whiskey, whiskey can't keep your hands warm. It'll keep your your tummy warm inside, nice and warm, but not your your bits. Uh, Malnutrition, again, maybe vegetables instead of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, yeah, they they could have had some other things. But it was... So maybe a cork. Yeah, Yeah. just just some um, Maybe uh, there's a cork in one of the casks, and then they could have... Oh, I know, but then you you can't put it back, can you? Well, actually, they shouldn't have suffered from dysentery. Oh, they had whiskey. They should have been drinking whiskey and washing their hands with whiskey. There shouldn't be too many germs there. Anyway, only one person died on the entire expedition. So it should be noted that while they suffered a bit because of those lack of other supplies, only one person actually died, and historians actually suggested it was from a burst appendix. So that's not alcohol-related in any way. No. Um, so... Well, in fact, you talked about guns. One of the worst injuries that was sustained was when an enlisted man accidentally shot Lewis in the buttocks. Uh, in the buttocks? <laughs> shot in the yeah. buttocks. Shot up the bum. Uh, he mistaked him for an elk. Oh, dear, Ben. <laughs> oh, dear. Cause it's a, oh, dear. dear. Well, that brings us seamlessly onto the drink we're trying. It does. Uh, before I get there, I just want to say oh, that yeah, they, sorry, t- they did sorry. take they did take those rations good. under. Um, yeah, we're, we're coming back to the deers, but it was it was under advisement from the government. It was actually a a ration that was demanded for the military men to to include with all, any sort of booze. Jefferson, when he was governor of Virginia during the Revolution, had rationed his officers and soldiers uh, by laws of the Commonwealth rum or brandy uh, or whiskey and then when the constitution was established by washington in congress by the act of 30 april 1790 every enlisted man of the army should be given daily ration of rum brandy or whiskey so it was actually a staple for the likes of lewis and clark army men and indeed it was a medicinal requirement from dr benjamin rush who was the nation's first medical school Professor, chief bullshitter, who said, <laughs> who said, um, who said things like, "When you go on this expedition, make sure rule one: rest in horizontal positions." I mean, wow, this guy, Fucking this hell. guy, who is this, who is this expert? 
he also said one of his rules was gently opening of the bowels, which must have been really fucking annoying when they had that dysentery. <laughs> Go gently now. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Up yours, Dr. Benjamin, or out yours. Um, and uh, then rule eight was having your feet much chilled. It will be useful to wash them with a little spirit. So he argued the whiskey was useful for if you've got cold feet, your putting feet. your feet in a whiskey. Well, see frostbite. Uh, well, <laughs> I can't call bullshit on that. Whenever, well. whenever Sophie's got cold feet, I try and get her drunk. So maybe, mm, maybe, okay. maybe there's yeah. some sort of link there. Uh, so, so anyway, they they had good reason to take their whiskey, uh, and they used it to barter with the natives as well. Because one of the big fears was, as they travelled out there, Jefferson thought they'd see woolly mammoths and giant sloths. He was wrong about well, can that. Can I just they, can they I just step in here? And because I I I became a bit obsessed with Thomas Jefferson when we were writing one of our books, because he is a funny fucker. He um, he was a real dandy when he was a young a young boy. He was carried around on a pillow by his by servants when he was um, like two. I want to base it up until the age of about three. He had a um, and he um, he was really into his wine. I mean, he spent. In fact, I mean, it surprises me that he he made sure everyone drank spirits because he was he he campaigned against spirits quite a lot because he loved wine so much. He used to go on these wine um, expeditions to Europe and he spent loads of the White House's money on. Um, on, on Bordeaux and things like that, and he planted a lot of the vineyards that have, have uh, the foundation of the American wine scene right now. So he, um, but he was a he was a right. He sounded like a right pretentious little idiot as well. When he was at university, mm. instead of going out and getting uh, going out with his mates, he used to play violin with his lecturer in his house in his big house, and he used to drink Madeira. He'd get his, mate, he'd get his head kicked in if he went to. Thames Valley, really. <laughs> but anyway, well, the uni, uni drinks and, and and yeah, but the uni drink and the deer drink get us ever closer to the drink we're going to be recommending. But he was just to continue your theme there. He was a bit of a bell end. I mean, he thought that there were going to be Welsh-speaking Indians out there, uh, woolly Welsh. mammoths and giant sloths, and and there weren't uh, Welsh. Yeah, I don't know where he got that from, but. Um, uh, there were Native American people. I mean, we don't want to gloss over the fact that uh, that while Lewis and Clark had no violent interactions, um, obviously the people who arrived in America from Europe had lots of violent interactions with indigenous they people there. They did. In fact, they, they, did. they fucked them over of all their land and to just were generally unkind to them and actually introduced them to alcoholic drinks in a way that meant they traded it for land and very important possessions and a lot of them were developed a drinking problem. So, you know, it wasn't... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not it's great. Roundabout. I mean, it's not, <laughs> but yeah. the problem we've got, Tom, as we've mentioned before, either doing this pod or writing the books, is that it's very difficult to talk about history in any way now without stumbling across or realising that compared to today's standards, everyone was a, was doing naughty things. Mm. And, but do we stop talking about them? Well, may, maybe. But then well, we could. Get this, this, this podcast gold. 
<laughs> we would have very little to talk about. That's the problem we have, yeah. because there's so many people in this moment of history were nasty, racist, violent. Um, uh, I mean, Lewis and Clark actually, Lewis actually uh, adopted a Native American child when his mother died. Um, so I think they were a bit more open-minded than most. Uh, but yes, it, it, we should we should, we can't we can't not mention it, and it's important to mention it because we've all changed and we know it's wrong. So that's and let's not do it back. again, guys. Let's not. Let's stop doing it. Russia's having a nice. go at the Just moment. Just stop it. Finishal, as I say. Nasty. Mm. Uh, anyway. And be nice to people. That's what I yeah. do to my kids. Yeah. Love everyone. So, but they not did. Everyone. They did. Not everyone. <laughs> Some people are just balance, so I don't yeah. love them. Uh, they so they did didn't find sloths. They did discover 178 previously unknown species of plants. I discovered uh, they discovered that and 122 animals, new animals that no one knew about: coyotes, mountain beavers. They also discovered uh, talking of beavers. They also discovered a massive rock in Oregon. And due to and its phallic shape, it was a phallic shape, Ben, and it looked really? uh, a little bit like a huge penis. And in what must be regarded as one of the greatest naming ceremonies in the history of discovery, they called it cock rock. And what? <laughs> what fiendish wordplay? And it Apparently, does look like a cock. It look, it? It look it up, folks. Incredible. We'll put it in the little um, sort of. Uh, editorial box below the podcast we'll put a link to the picture because it is astonishing yeah it's got everything it hasn't got mm. the ball bags i'm sure there's some sort of foliage yeah. around the bottom that they would there have shaped foliage. yeah mm. there's foliage, so it's got the kind of yeah yeah uh, mm. that that adds an extra dimension to it but it is astonishing and it's yeah. in oregon isn't it it is, yeah. It's not called Cock Rock anymore. They renamed it Rooster Rock. Apparently, one of the wags who named it said Cock Rock because it looks like a chicken. But you can imagine them all smirking behind their hands as he said that. You're right, you're right, guys. It looks like a chicken. Yeah, let's tell everyone at home that's why they call it that. It's like the, the, the more modern day drawing of penises on walls. They just saw a massive cock and called it Cock Rock. <laughs> you can't give them a lot of credit for that. Well done, then. It um, must have been a highlight of the tour. Yeah. Coming across yeah. that, just coming around the corner going, wow, look at that. I thought <laughs> Dave having dysentery was the funniest thing. But no, <laughs> look at that. It's a massive rock. Anyway, we're above such uh, juvenile yeah. sort of commentary. Yeah, it's called Rooster Rock now. Grow up. Yeah. Um, we could have picked that date for our chosen date for the expedition, but that wasn't actually listed in, in their diaries. There were extraordinary diaries from their expedition. Uh, we've gone for this date, the 19th in 1805, because that's when they actually hit the Pacific and set up camp by the Pacific. As every great explorer knows, when you're traveling across the land and you hit the sea, that's the end. It's time to come back again. So that was a very monu monumental moment in it, but it's also quite a nice diary entry because it it tends to it, it looks quite closely at what they were eating and drinking at that time, um, and they talk a lot about the the game that they'd killed with those guns that they took when they did hit the elks and not other people's asses. 
And so uh, they were doing a lot of deer hunting around there, which is why, rather than whiskey then, mm -hmm. we are suggesting this week, in honour of Lewis and Clark, you drink Jägermeister. But why, Tom? What's Jägermeister got to do with hunting deer? Well, the Jägermeister, for a start, is much maligned, and we are going to try and uh, bust the myths around it a little bit here. We have actually once used it in our show to great effect, because people think they understand Jägermeister. They don't really. They think it's a nasty, cheap liqueur that you just slam, maybe have with some, uh, some caffeinated soft drinks. It, you should treat it with a bit more respect. The German word Jägermeister translates to master hunter, and the people on this expedition were certainly that, apart from the guy that shot uh, Lewis and Pinus. Um, they were master hunters, and they had to be to survive. Um, and they were hunting deers, Ben, weren't they? The time they, they were. were. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you want to say about... Oh, yeah, well, a bit like, uh, yeah, him, you know, the old shipman, the old deer hunter, yeah. <laughs> oh, too much. Inappropriate. Yeah, so. too much. Uh, but, so, so yeah, is a is, is a complicated liqueur with 56 different herbs, roots, fruits and spices, and it was initially marketed in 1934 uh, as a post-dinner tummy settler. The botanicals in it are actually used to help digestion, so it was actually a complex creation served up even back then uh, chilled but those botanicals would help aid the digestive process so it does have its place in the drinking uh, repertoire if if yeah. enjoyed correctly and it's 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 made in a very complicated way i've had the benefit of going seeing how it's made um meeting the master distillers there uh, who worked very hard to get all the herbs and blossoms and the roots and the fruits and the spices together to 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 put that together they they store it in 445 oak barrels um these herbs and fruits and roots and spices are all left to macerate and then it's rested for over a year in these these old barrels some of them are over 100 years old and then each different maceration has to be blended uh, so it's a very time-consuming process. They've got one of the most sort of impressive botanical programs that I've I've seen anywhere in the world of any gins or any other liqueurs. Um, so and, and actually, when you taste it, knowing all of that, and you take your time with it, you can taste a lot of those different com complex citruses and roots and fruits. So I was. And in suggest... Germany, well, they I mean they uh, they don't have the same Jaeger shot culture that we do here and i imagine they would look they would think well on one hand the guys at jägermeister think well that's not really how we wanted everyone to drink it but on the other hand it seems a rather popular way to drink it um, which is a bit like red bull red bull apparently they 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 have never marketed their red bull as a um as a drink to enjoy with alcohol mm. ever and they've never been mm. gone on record as saying that but equally they they must have been quite pleased when they realised that everyone was having Jägermeister with Red Bull. Um, yeah. But, which is not very nice. It's not the good way to drink it at all. It's it's not. If you launch a drinks product like this, you, you hope it's successful and you can do lots of a volume, as they say in the industry, uh, sell lots of the product. So, yeah, I'm sure they're not complaining too much, although when I spoke to their 
their marketing team there. It's not something they really tended to talk about much. They did talk about the Leeds bartending community because <laughs> they are held hugely responsible for the popularity of Jaeger in the UK. Apparently, they've had no distribution over here um, until the sort of late 90s, <clears throat> and Leeds bartenders would serve it up as a shop for themselves if they got a tip from a, um, a customer. And then the customers started asking questions about it. And from this small group of Leeds bartenders, the Jägermeister cult status grew, and now um, everyone knows about it. So well done, yeah, it's Leeds. It's virtually currency in Leeds, isn't it? It's good. Mm. It's uh, you know you've been uh, welcomed into the, welcomed into the bosom of the Leeds bartending scene. If if when you approach the bar, they just automatically pour you a Jäger. But then. It's probably not seeing you want to be in a bosom off because it makes you feel very sick uh, <laughs> after a while and gives you high anxiety and and the like. So anyway, well that was fascinating, Tom, because mm. what you've done there, you've managed to get deer hunting. Some, mm. you know, an apology to the indigenous population of America, a massive cock rock, mm. uh, you know. Sherlock Penis and um, a review of, of a very misunderstood, yeah. And yeah, mm. don't don't shoot people in the bum and don't shoot Jägermeister. No. Yeah. Shots, two different types of shots. Days. That's it. Mm. So there we go. Uh, What's right, your drink? Well, number two drink. Well, the, tomorrow we are off to Bristol. We're going to Hen and Chickens in uh, Bristol. Uh, we love that venue. It's sold out pretty much. Um, isn't it? I think we've got about 20 tickets yep. left. It's going to be a sale. They'll, they'll get swallowed up. No time at all. And Bristol is the birthplace of Edward Teach, a pirate better known as Blackbeard. <clears throat> so we're going to fo focus on him because on the 22nd of November, 1718, Blackbeard died in a, a very gruesome battle um, on, the, uh, on the east coast of America near Carolina. Um, but let's rewind. 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 Uh, mini, mini, rewind. Mini, mini, mixing desk. Because <laughs> um, he was uh, Edward Teach, known the world over as Blackbeard. He was one of the most mental and unstable characters to ever sail the seas. Uh, <laughs> from Bristol, became a pirate at the age of twelve. He was. Um, he joined the pirate crew. <laughs> the pirate core, the pirate, yeah, the, the, the pirate the, industry, her, her, her Royal Navy uh, pirates, something like that. Anyway, because he, he was he was running, he had to get out of Britain because he he'd uh, he'd been charged with robbery and 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 for was getting in trouble for generally being a troublesome mute. Um, and uh, yeah, he was a right wronger, and he nicked anything that wasn't nailed down. He was always fighting, but he was a lover too, Tom. Uh, with <laughs> with permission, was, I hope. I hope well, well, yeah, yeah, he actually paid. It's not all these pirates. Um, the pirates weren't. No, 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 no. Permission. But, no, he wasn't. Uh, well, women loved coming on his boat, Tom. Um, <laughs> and he'd often <laughs> entertain three women at the same time. Apparently. Oh. We've all done it. Uh, I haven't. <laughs> anyway, when I say when when I say women, they were mostly uh, they were mostly ladies of the night, which again, different times. And he married mm. on 14 different occasions. Wow. Um, but one of the reasons he kept getting married again, he often donated his wives to 
his crewmates as a reward for their bravery. So in short, he wasn't very woke by today's standards in any way. Um, and he was basically a one-man band of, of, of terror, essentially. Um, there's pictures and paintings and depictions of him. He was packing all manner of steel. He had loads of... He has these harnesses where he had six pistols on his back. He had a cutlass on each hip. He kept daggers in his boots. But um, what most people remembered who met him is that he had these mental kind of red glowing eyes. And he also um, strangely kept flaming candles in his hair. So he's quite a striking character if you were to, if you were to walk into the <laughs> pub. You would look right. around and go, oh, here comes yeah. Quabs. He had um, a black beard, and he was called yeah. Blackbeard. It's oh, quite a coincidence. Fucking remarkable coincidence. Um, <laughs> and he regularly exceeded his 14 units a week because he was a massive, massive drinker. Um, and he, he's been attributed with sort of being the first person to invent uh, a drinking game. Unless, of course, you take Philip II, who uh, invented the conga. Is a conger a game? It's not really a drinking game, is it? It's more of a mm. a ritual. Challenge, Blackbeard, yeah. he had an actual drinking game. What he'd do, and we talked about this in our shows, um, he would, um, uh, when he was setting off in, to sea with a new crew, he'd gather all his crew um, uh, below deck and give them loads and loads and loads and loads of rum. And then uh, all of a sudden, he'd blow out the candles. And then he'd get out his gun and start firing them, uh, firing at them in the, in a pitch black room. And if he hit someone, it was proof apparently that that man could not be trusted. Um, and this game would go on until someone got shot or or, or he basically got bored. Um, so um, I mean, uh, due to overzealous human resources legislation, you can't have that kind of fun in the workplace anymore. Sad. But. Sad. Uh, it meant it cut the wheat, it separated the wheat from the chaff. But after a while, the British government had had enough of Blackbeard. He was causing chaos all over the, the Carolinas on the Atlantic coast. So they sent out uh, someone to basically take him down. And that guy was a Royal Navy lieutenant by the name of Robert Maynard. And he arrived, he took two boats out with him. And uh, basically, there was a lot of cat, a lot of cat and mouse. Um, Blackbeard's boat, which was called the Revenge... Uh, was very was very nimble and Maynard's wasn't so nimble. He, he was um, he wasn't quite as skilled a, a, a seaman as 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 a Blackbeard. But eventually they discovered he spotted the Revenge anchored in this small little inlet, uh, and Blackbeard had gone off to get hammered with some local farmers with a lot of his crew. And when he came back, Maynard sailed his ship up alongside that of Blackbeard and demanded. He, he surrendered and apparently Blackbeard stared across at Maynard raised a glass of rum and said I'll give no quarter nor take none from you fighting talk that is mm-hmm. so it all, it all kicked off um, uh, a lot of Blackbeard's men were still getting hammered with the locals on shore um, but Blackbeard had loads of cannons Maynard didn't have any cannons um, and, and after hammering Maynard's ship and killing most, what seemed like most of Maynard's men, Blackbeard and his mates boarded the British boat. Um, the thing is, Maynard, in a very shrewd piece of skullduggery, had kept a lot of his crew below deck, and so they all came up and opened an almighty can of whoop-ass on, on Blackbeard and his mates. 
Um, and it actually ended up with Maynard and Blackbeard actually having some proper hand-to-hand fisticuffs uh, with each other. And they both got out of their guns. Um, Blackbeard, who was hammered, missed. Um, Maynard didn't. But the, the the bullet, or whatever, yeah, the bullet failed to stop. <laughs> What would have been? It would have been a bullet. What do you call it about that? It would have been a ball-shaped bullet, but it still would yeah. have been. Yeah, it would have been. It's a bullet. Oh, yeah, a little, you know. It comes out of a gun, it's a bullet, I It reckon. comes out, but whatever, it would have fucking hurt. Um, but the shot failed to stop the crazy motherfucker, and it wasn't until another <laughs> sailor jumped on his back and then stuck a sword through his stomach that um, Blackbeard finally, uh, finally died. And then on, mm. and on examining his body... Uh, Maynard discovered that he'd been shot more than 20 times and stabbed in over a, a, a dozen, dozen places. This is where, still... this is where, yeah, I mean, this is where the legend's really exciting because my kids ask about Blackbeard all the time. They've yeah. become as fascinated just through, through our talking about it. Um, and the, the, the variations on this theme of 20 hacks of a sword and five gunshot wounds to... 20 gunshot wounds and a thousand sword attacks. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems to go in many multiples. One thing's yeah. for sure, it sounded like he was shot a few no. times and hit with a sword more times. Yeah, I mean, the one, the, 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 the two blows that he didn't recover from was when Maynard chopped his head off. With, that uh, was apparently post mortem. Yeah, no, yeah, post mortem. No. Well, there's also the myth. Well, it might not be a myth, but there's tales that they threw his body into the water. They cut his head off and threw the body in. And apparently <laughs> yeah. the body swam around the boat three times and then grabbed onto the fin. I was telling my six-year-old. And then it went down to the Well, Did he call bullshit on that as well? He called bullshit on that one. That was the one where he said, I don't think so, Daddy. No, <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> no, come on. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously myth and, and, and nonsense around him, but he d- did sound quite hard, and uh, he was a big rum drinker. And in fact, is after they stuck his head on, uh, well, first he stuck it on the bow of the boat, and then when they got back to England, or maybe it was America, well, when they got back to land, they stuck it on a stake as a warning to lots of pirates to knock it stop, you know, knock it off, lads, and then they. Uh, eventually got his skull and turned it into a punch bowl. Um, yeah. Um, and drank that's, rum from no, him. No. That's, so that's good. He was not a role model uh, for your kids, but he was a great story, and he was a, uh, the, probably the greatest rum-drinking pirate, would you say? There's Cofresi. Well, yeah, I think that's the it? thing about the pirates. Yeah, yeah, we tend to think that all the pirates were, were rum drinkers, but there's a there's a there were one or two that weren't. And Bart, we in our other book, um, the Thinking Drinkers Guide, if anyone's got that, we we do a nice piece on all the different pirates. And um, Bart Roberts, who was probably one of the most successful pirates and captured four hundred ships in three years and a bounty of fifty million, he was a teetotaler. Um, he only drank, actually only drank tea. So that makes him, in our eyes, a bit of a shit pirate because he did loads no, of great pirating, but he didn't drink rum. And then at the other end of the scale is Harold Davis, who was a, a, a massive drinker um, and loved rum. But then when he tried to take on the Spanish, he was absolutely annihilated on rum. Um, and he took nearly 20 attempts to try and take the ship 
um, and then ended up getting killed. So he drank too much rum. So you've got to find that sort of happy balance as a pirate between yeah. enough rum to keep you alive after being shot 20 times, but not so much rum that you can't actually take a ship. So, well, I mean, I, as I found out and discovered when I on my recent barge holiday that if you mm. if you've got a long boat and you've had one can too many it does make things harder it's getting into the lock and everything and yeah steering it so i know i feel a pain tom on the seas like that pirating is an interesting one because a lot of the the people who were sort of held up like francis drake he's held up as one of the the great sort of sea heroes um but he was essentially a pirate eventually yeah his pirating was so good that the, the queen just said well you can do that for for yeah. us, for the for well, the, the, the under the royal name, pirating and privateering was very privateering. Yeah, but a lot of these guys the who bird. are famous, yeah, they were just they were just pirates, really. Um, and then he got but he was, a, he was the last sort of Puerto Rico. He was the last pirate of the Caribbean, wasn't he? He was kind of, mm. and he and he was said to have invented the uh, pina colada. I don't know, I don't think he did, but it's true if you believe it. Pina coladas. So what am I drinking? Well, we're going to drink rum. And there's so many lovely rums out there. You can. There's lots of. Um, we looked at. The, I think Dead Man Fingers is 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 something that's you know. In, if you go to Bristol, that seems to be a rum that's very popular out there. And there's there's a couple of bars that specialise in rum, so that's good. Um, but we're going to go for El Dorado um, from Guyana. Um, mm. and it's um, it's very. It's a lovely rum. It's um. Uh, it's uh, located on the east bank of the Demerara River. Of as in demerara sugar, my favourite type of sugar, I think, Tom demerara. Do you know? I like the crunch on it. Yeah. Um, I like the crunch, mm. uh, the crunch of the demerara when sprinkled over the soft um, texture of a uh, some Weetabix is wonderful. Mm. Um, I, I'm sure mm. it's not good for you to drink to, to, to smear your Weetabix with demerara sugar, but it's I like it anyway. Um, uh, mm. And El Dorado, they, they, it's, it's Demerara rum. Its distillery is is is, is amazing. It's it sort of um, it mixes old school approaches with with sort of cutting edge technology, um, and um, it's got this. It's, it's sort of flavor character is quite it's quite big big flavors, strong oak influence, uh, and and all counterbalanced by some sweetness in there. Um, it's, it's aged in American oak, um, and it's, um, there's a sort of six month marrying process, which, which bring all the flavors together. Um, and they've got, um, uh, a, a quartet of different rums from four different stills. So there's a blend of pot and column stills and three of which are, are used. They are, they actually made on wooden stills and it's won loads of awards. Um, and we would recommend it. Uh, I mean, it's got lovely toffee notes, golden syrup in there as well, a bit of licorice, um, and uh, in a mm. rum old fashioned, which is which we'll put on the on on, yeah. on the uh, the editorial thing. Sixty uh, ml El Dorado, twelve year old, three dashes of aromatic bitters, uh, a bar spoon of Demerara sugar. Keep one aside for your Weetabix, Dom, and then orange uh, with an orange twist. Yeah, and it's all there. Um, well, there's no okay. real link Adorado. between Blackbeard and, and and Guyana. Um, but uh, it's just a really nice rum. So there, what do you think of that? Yeah, and a great nineteen uh, nineties um, soap as well. 
Um, one season of El Dorado before it was cancelled. Mm, sad. It's a shame that, wasn't it? Wow. Well, there we go. Two great drinks. I think everyone can drinks, agree. A pirate have... and um, a massive cock. <laughs> I mean, what more do you want from the podcast, guys? Uh, yeah. So we're in Bristol tomorrow, and then we're in Wolverhampton um, on the when is that? Fifteenth, somewhere Thursday, fifteenth. And then we got we have a little bit of a break from the show, aren't we, Tom? Mm. Going to take it easy. Uh, spend time with our family, uh, enjoy Christmas and the World Cup, and yeah. then, and then uh, uh, back touring. In, in, yeah. in, but we've got an amazing deal. Talk, talk about the deal we're offering our lovely listeners. Well, well, listeners, we are we have reduced the price of our subscription package to one hundred and twenty pounds if you buy it one. before Christmas Day. One hundred and twenty pounds. So it's a very good deal. Let me it's, just it's get this straight, Tom. Yeah. Three sixty mil pouches containing some of the world's finest spirits, delivered straight to your door. Not only that, you also get an online magazine, exclusive access to an online magazine with a secret password. Don't tell no one. And a monthly online ta- online tasting with uh, two of the world's hunkiest beefcakes. Mm. That's it. That's it. That's you've summed it up. Tenner a month. You've summed it up. Tenner a month. Much cheaper than the drinks would be in the bar, and you get to learn something about them, and you get to see our, our pretty faces uh, once a month on a virtual tasting, sometimes with some guests, sometimes on location, sometimes just in our bedrooms, as is the case mm. this month with our Heaven Hill tasting that's going to be taking place on uh, Thursday, the 20th. And you also get discounts. We give every, give our members lovely little sometimes, discounts. Sometimes, sometimes you get discounts. Talk, talk to me, talk to me. Sometimes, um, but sometimes you just get us and that's that should be that's more than enough. enough. Mm, mm, um, and if sure. you think about it, compared with other podcasts, some podcasts, they have Patreon systems where you just get more talking. And we've worked <laughs> out that that's the last thing you guys want. You want actual alcohol. Yeah, so you've had more happen. than enough of this shit. Yeah. What you really <laughs> okay. want is a drink so, to go with the talking. Yeah. So that's exactly. why we're doing what we're doing, and it's and it's good. And if you want to see, if you want to tune into that, and then you can, and then you can come and see us live when we come to your town, and you can see what we're really like in the flesh, all of the flesh, because we usually take all our clothes off. And then you can you can sort of really build a, a an obsession with the thinking yeah. drinkers. That's what we're expecting. Um, Maybe we get a tattoo. Slowly. Of Tom on, a, on your buttocks. <laughs> okay, all right, guys. Okay. Lots of love. We love you. We Thank miss you. you. Mm. Um, yes, we do. It's coming home. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. Bye.